sit back and watch for the bullshit. Because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Welcome to BS with Brian Simpson. I'm your host, Brian Simpson. Of course, who else would I be? Here we are, what, episode, what, 17, 18, mm. 18, shit, I don't know, um, I've been down for the count, been sick as a dog, getting over the flu, uh, but nothing can keep me away, alright, um, we got, we got a few things happening in, uh, the black news, oh man, I'm on the route. <laughs> the first headline is, <laughs> man, I swear I could do one of these every, this is like every single week. There's somebody calling the cops on a black person for something stupid or somebody getting shot for some wild, sh- wild dumb shit, you know? Um, so I'll get to the, I'll get to the stupid shit first. Um, the headline reads, Hashtag rapping while black neighbor calls cops on black man after hearing him recite Jay-Z lyrics. Oh, Jesus Christ. So apparently what happened is uh, uh, Mr. David uh, Eddington of Spring Hill, Tennessee was in his backyard drinking a beer, talking shit on the phone with his brother about sports. About LeBron coming to the Lakers, and you know, in the in like we do, we, we, you know, just going back and forth, little you know, little, little wit, little witty, tit for tat. And anyway, in the in that back and forth, he says to his brother, "I got ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one." Now, if you were if you've been alive the last fifteen years, you know. <laughs> Nine Nine Problems was the uh, the hit single of uh, the Black album, Jay Z. Now Jay Z, now and, and that was a big album because one, it was supposed to be Jay Z's last album. So if y'all forget that Jay Z retired, quote quote quote. So so it was like that was a hit, and it was a, and not only that, it's a dope song. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, it's one of my go to karaoke songs. Um, anyway. Most people know this song. Apparently, this guy's neighbor did not. He took that to mean that this uh, that uh, that Mr. Eddington was beating his wife, who was upstairs taking a bath. So this guy is talking shit to his brother. Comes out, you know, walks around to the front of his house, and there's a fucking SWAT team there. Not a SWAT, uh, not a SWAT team. But uh, I say I, I'm getting my thoughts mixed because it's called swatting it's something that people have been doing on the internet for quite some time now where they purposefully send the cops to your house like say you know say you got a damn meth lab in your house or something and then the swat team kicks your fucking door in uh, while you're playing a video game probably against the people that swatted you and they're like oh you think this is a game yeah i got your ip address up oh, got your real address eat a dick but that's not what's happening here this guy uh, mr eddington claims um, that it's this is not the first run-in he's had with this neighbor. He's never met the guy face-to-face. Uh, the police didn't press charges for domestic abuse. Oh, no bullshit. Um, 
But that's what you get. That's the type of shit you get. Uh, uh, man. So yeah, I just I just got back from a show in San Diego at the Bootlegger. Uh, the shit was awesome. Shout out to the to the new Madhouse Comedy Club down there. That shit was awesome. Um, downtown Gaslamp, San Diego. Uh, yeah, it was good people, good crowd, good food. Like as always, strong drinks. Uh, and if you, yeah, I'm gonna start doing this at the beginning of the show. If you got any questions, comments, gripes, concerns, issues with your boy, hey, all you got to do is email me, BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. Because that's what it is for, uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, if you are interested in. Seeing my shows, you should follow my Instagram, and and I and that that's BS comedian on Instagram. BS uh, comedian right now. What's on my upcoming calendar? Um, I guess what is it Monday? So okay, so yeah, you'll hear this. Um, uh, right now I'll. Oh, no, damn, we're real close to Thanksgiving. Well, Black Friday, I'll be at, uh, actually, damn, the homie just sent me the, uh, shit. God damn it, Brian. The homie what, just sent me the, the details. Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't put this, this uh, comment out there. Is it on the flyer? Yeah. Ooh, fancy. Okay, well, no. What I'll do is, okay. Uh, fuck, well, how am I supposed to put this information out there? There's no address here. So I guess I, what I'll do is I'll share the link on Instagram. So go to my Instagram. And then that that takes you to the pay. Yeah, this is one of those things. I think maybe someone's, you know, this is popular here in L.A. People transform their house into a like a club and they don't tell you the address till you RSVP. You know what I mean? So they know you're not a fucking weirdo. You know, you don't want, you don't want the Internet just having your fucking address. So go to my go to my Instagram. When you hear this episode, uh, it'll be on my Instagram. Uh or go to the mission, the missionradio.com slash BOF stands for Blackout Friday. And you'll see, you'll see all the little details. Um, RSVB closes Wednesday at, uh, at 9 p.m. Dress code, cozy casual. Man, I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm just gonna wear what I normally wear. Uh, the vibe will be a candlelit cocktail party. Mints mingle dance. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be dope. Some who the persons that uh that booked me for this don't don't be bullshitting, so we'll see. Uh presented by the mission radio, all that good shit. That's my next thing. I'll also be coming up uh stuff I know will be dope. 
Um, oh, if you didn't know already, I will be in the Bay Area. I'm definitely doing the Charm Offensive on the 5th of December. And I'm doing the setup on the 7th and 8th again. Follow me on Instagram for the flyers, details, all of that shit. But clear your calendar, though, for the 5th, the 7th, and the 8th. That's what I got booked up there so far. So, yeah. <sighs> mm. All right, moving on to some more of this bullshit. Uh, now, I know a lot of y'all might have heard about this over the weekend. Jamel Robertson, he's a security guard. Man, this, this shit is just heart-wrenching right here, man. He was, fuck. He was working extra shifts to pay for his son's Christmas. The son's nine month old, so I don't know what that's important here, but I guess it just, it's like, just to make the story sad or just to, this is a sad, uh, the sad Sunday and this, that's just some, some chocolate syrup on top to make the story even sadder. Um, Yeah, but anyway, there was a there was a shooting uh, where this guy was uh, fuck. There's a shooting where this guy was working. He was security. Um, he stopped the shit from happening. Uh, you know, he had one of the shooters in custody. The cops rolled up, saw him with a gun, shot him. Well, a, a a police officer rolled up, saw him with a gun, and shot him, and that's that's the gist of it. He was he was the quote unquote good guy with the gun. Um, you know, his family is trying to pressure the police to release the name of the officer that shot him. Um. <clears throat> there have been disputes as to exactly what happened uh, when Robertson was shot and killed. Um, but yeah, he was ba- he was stopping. So okay, I got my facts fucked up. He wasn't stopping a shooting. Uh, he was quelling a bar fight that got out of hand, but he was armed. Um, according to the Illinois State Police, citing, quote, witness statements, multiple verbal commands were given to Robinson to drop his weapon. See, this this right here is what I'm talking about right here, because I, 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 I'm, I'm reading this as y'all are, you know, as y'all are hearing me in real time, I'm saying. I don't have a script or anything, you know, maybe I should. I don't fuck it. Um, but before I even get any more into it, I already see what's coming because this is what happens in, in every one of these situations where it's like, where it's like the police first move is to protect the, this police officer, which doesn't sound bad on the surface until you think about the fact that their first move should be to find out the truth, not, not to get, not public relations. You know what I mean? Because 
right here, they're they're citing witness statements saying it's like they they got to jump out in front of it and 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 pretend like their guy said did everything perfect. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say freeze, motherfucker. He said, "Sir, I would like you to calmly place your head." You know, it's like it's like they got a multiple verbal commands to drop his weapon. And, I, and the next sentence contradicts that. But witnesses at the scene have disputed the police account. Now, if witnesses at the scene are disputing the police's account, then who the fuck are the witness statements from? Am I, am I missing something? Anyway, the preliminary report also said Robinson was wearing plain black clothing with no markings readily identifying him as a security guard. Witnesses, however... Again, see, that's the the, the, poli- the preliminary report from police. <sighs> and again, witnesses, however, have contradicted that account, saying that the officer opened fire on Robinson before giving him an adequate opportunity to respond to his verbal commands. They also reported that Robinson was wearing clothing clearly marked with the word security. You know, I don't know how to get down in Illinois. Uh, I have been a doorman slash security and all that. I was never armed security, especially not at no fucking bar. What bar you at where you got to have armed security? Anyway, uh, but out here, yeah, you gotta have you gotta have security on your shit. I'm pretty sure that's the same everywhere. You have to have something identifying you as. You gotta you have to have something identifying you as security so people know that you're not just a dude in the bar. You know what I mean? So when you tell them something, they it's a it's an authority thing, you know. Even though, I mean, how much authority do you have as a security? I don't know. Um But uh, but this is this this is fucking heartbreaking, man. I don't know, because and, and you know what? I've been in this situation. I've been in this exact situation. A dude, I was a, I was a doorman at, uh, at Rosie O'Grady's in San Diego, Irish pub. Uh, I was security and, um, and this girl, oh man, she was so fucking, uh, so fucking gorgeous. Um, she was, she was, she was, her and her boyfriend walk up to the front. They're both a little, um, you know, they both, you know, a little hype, ready to party, but he doesn't have his ID. So I don't let him in, right? He, they live across the street or up the street or whatever. So she goes in, he walks home to get his ID. Um, you know, about 20 minutes go by, she comes out, she's drunk or or she's tipsy, you know, and she's, she's I'm sitting I, 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 at this point for this particular day, I was sitting on a stool and I had, I had a little, had my little table beside me, right? Because I got to sit shit down. And she set all her shit on that table, like her purse, her cigarettes, all that, right? Then she, uh, you know, she's just talking my fucking ear off. If you've ever been a door guy or if you don't, if you've never been a door guy, just know that like when people are drunk, just being, just being the sober person around all these drunk people, you know, for so many years, 
you 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 pick up on all of these little patterns and shit, right? And what happens is drunk people will tell you the same story five times in a night. You know, that, that's how I can tell when people are fucked up because they'll tell me a story, go back inside, they'll, they'll come out to smoke a cigarette, tell me a story, go back inside. I won't see him for 15, 20 minutes. And they come back outside and tell me the fucking story again. You know what I mean? That's how. That's when I know you fucked up. You know? Um, now, I know you really fucked up, and this is like, you got to go home fucked up. When I tell you that you told me the story, and then you start telling me the story again anyway. Now I know you, you, you're you not comprehending. You got to get the fuck up out of here. Anyway, my point is, anyway, back to the story. Back to my story within the story. The girl is talking to me, telling me the same story for the second or third time. And this and 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 the boyfriend comes back, and he shows up, you know, playfully romantic, whatever. Like he sneaks up behind her and picks her up, and like runs up the block with her for a couple of blocks, and they're they're giggling, little couple in love type type shit. And uh, and they come back, and I don't remember the guy handed me his ID or what. Maybe he did. Maybe he handed me his ID right away. And I'm looking, and I go, and I hand him his ID back. And uh, and I and then I remind her, hey, I turn to her and go, hey, your, don't forget your stuff is on my table. And when I turn towards the when I turned away from them and back to the table to point at the stuff, this nigga, he sucker punched. Well, he ain't sucker punched me. He sucker elbowed me. He elbowed. And I'm talking about absolutely no provocation, just randomly out of the blue, his drunk fucking uh, pilgrim jeans kicked in and this nigga just el- I'm talking about a solid one too right up against the side of my fucking head and f- and and from and where I was sitting the other side of my head hit the hit the fucking uh the door frame you know what I mean now okay now well now one you're definitely not getting in right two like I looked at this dude because it was I was so it was so caught off guard by it that I didn't even like I couldn't even comprehend what had just happened. Like it took me like a good two or three seconds. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? Where, where like you ever have something so inexplicable happen that you're literally like your brain just can't make sense of it. You know, it's like walking outside and seeing the sun shining, but the whole sky still black. Like, wait a minute, how's that fucking happening? Anyway, I, you know, so immediately in my mind, I already made up, oh, you're going to have to pay a price for that. You know what I mean? So, you know, I take him down right away. You know what I mean? Double underhooks. Um, right, and, and, we, and, and, and we in the middle of the street, dogging. Now, this motherfucker, right away, you know what I'm saying? When he when, right away when he caught the power because I hit him with an elbow of my own to his chin, but this but he was on the ground, so he took that whole thing. I know how physics work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nothing was absorbing these blows but your chin. Anyway, the point is, you know, I'm sitting there. I probably get three, four punches in, and. I, you know, and I'm not gonna fuck the dude up too bad because you really can't do that. It's it's kind of illegal. You can't just beat somebody's ass as a security guard. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, but I get about three or four punches in, and 
police cars come from every direction almost instantly and it's remarkable too when you when you out there on adams avenue um in san diego and you know, you 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 see police here and there creeping by and all that, but you don't realize how many fucking cops are around there, bro. Like I'm talking, soon as this nigga hit the street, they must have been on their way. You know, and, and and without nobody calling them or nothing. You know, they was just somebody somebody saw it. One of the cops saw, and they were there like right away. And I, I mean, of course, like I said, I wasn't armed. Um. You know, but right away, the officer was, you know, was like, hey, you know, halt, you know, stop, you know. And I listened. I obeyed all their commands. I, they cuffed me. They were like, we just cuffing you till we find out what's going on. I did have on a security shirt. They knew I was security. Um, but anybody can buy those, I guess. I don't know. And yes, he was a white dude. He was a white dude, too. I was beaten. I was punching a white dude on the ground. When the, so this cop, all he saw was me punching this white dude when he walked up. He didn't shoot me. He didn't pull his gun out on me. He just asked me what happened. I told him what happened. Um, the bartender came out um, and she was like, hey, that's my fucking guy. You know what I mean? And when it was all said and done, they they just asked me what I did, what I wanted done with him. And now, listen, I ain't never been in that situation before. You know what I mean? I'm just a, I'm a I'm a I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm a foster kid for PG County, Maryland. I. I ain't never had, look, I've had some positive experiences with police. I'm not going to lie. Most of my interactions with cops have been negative, but I have had some positive experiences with police, you know, a handful that I can name three. I've had three positive experiences with police, Um, but I've never, well, this, I guess this is four. I've never been in a situation where where police were asking me what I wanted to happen. Like they was on my side. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like they, like, like they was like, I was a, a, a millionaire and they were on my property. Oh, sir, what do you want done? Like, what do I want done to the white dude? Yeah. Uh, you know, but I was all, all's what it is. All's what it is. Well, you know, cause the, the point of every battle is, Victory, not revenge. Okay, um, Grand Admiral Throne. You. So I was like, let him go. Just let him go home. Just get them the fuck up out of here. I just don't want them around here. I don't. I, Cause I ain't trying to go to court and all that shit. So I ain't filing. I ain't filling out no paperwork. You know. So on top of all that is like, just get them the fuck up out of here. See, no boy. The next day, his face was huge. He ended up getting locked up a couple months later for beating the shit out of that girl. So. You know, it's a three sixty. Man, she was so pretty. What the fuck was she doing with that guy? I, I, but that's San Diego. You see a lot of you see a lot of fucking gorgeous girls settling down there for some reason. <laughs> here, here comes the flood of all the lonely fucking geeks to San Diego. Um, but yeah, my point is, I told that whole story. I made it about me, but I, I've been in that situation before where it's like. The cops show up. I'm just doing my job. And I was expecting some bullshit, but it wasn't no bullshit. I, I can't imagine what this guy. I can't imagine what, what I can't imagine being this guy. You know what I mean? He stops. A sh- he, 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 he stops. So he did. He did. 
did he stop the shooting or not? Was there a gun involved with the print? It's not, it's, there's conflicting reports I'm getting here about whether or not he was actually stopping the shoot, stopping a shooting or was just had, just was stopping a fight and had a gun. But the point is, I can't imagine being security somewhere doing my job. I got the suspect apprehended and the cops come and shoot me, nigga. Me. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad, but uh that's the way it go. And you know, the the, the real sad shit about about stuff like this is it's just that you know, it's like not not every not be, look, being a cop is a hard job. I, I'm I'm kind of in the 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 Joe Rogan philosophy on this. I I really I recognize that being a cop everywhere in the world, being a cop is a hard job. It really is. It's one of the most difficult jobs psychologically. You know, and I recognize that. But not everybody can do it. That because see, that's really at the heart of this issue. Is that is that there are too many police officers that shouldn't be police officers. And there's no shame in that. Not being able to do one of the hardest jobs, it's no shame in that. But the problem is, once you become a police officer, whether you're fit to be one or not, their reflexive reaction to your actions is to defend you. Even if you dead motherfucking wrong, even if you dead motherfucking wrong, it don't matter what you did. Unless you like was on some evil shit and purposely hurt other cops. These police union representative chick, all of these organizations, they're going to they're going to defend that officer. You've never heard one of these union spokespeople come out and go, I got nothing for this. This was this was just straight up fucking wrong. They will never do that. There's never been one. Never one time is there some interview with one of these guys like, I can't defend this guy. And that that's what breeds the mistrust in the community because there are good cops. There are and here, here's another thing, too. I take that back. There's no such thing as good cops and bad cops. To me, everyone's capable of evil and good or whatever within you. There's good actions and bad actions, and there's definitely patterns of those behaviors. But what I mean when I say there's no good cops and bad cops is like there's not like a bucket of bad cops over here that's trying to spoil the whole bushel of, of good cops. It ain't like that. Because because that's what I mean is like the cops, uh, police, uh, police are like these institutions have been around for so long and been des and been set up for so long to 
they don't make that distinction. But to them, a bad cop is a cop that doesn't defend other cops, even when they dead wrong. That's to the because because I always hear the argument of it's just a few bad apples. It's just a few bad apples. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us are upstanding. We're Captain Americas out here. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, then point them out. If it's just a few bad apples, where they at? Because you, you ever notice whenever you turn on your TV or your news, whatever you get your news, the motherfucker on the news telling you that it's just a few bad apples, they never tell you who one of them apples is. Where are the bad apples? I mean, you, since you're so sure they exist, where they at? Turn the motherfucker in. Ain't there somebody out there with a conscience? Because also, listen, I can't imagine. I'm listen. I, even be even giving you the benefit of the doubt. It's like, look, I I bet you. You know, not every single time that a that a police officer shoots a black person is it racism, okay? And and. Um, not every single time is it that, but the, the, the pattern of police violence against black people is institutional. It's undeniable. You know what I mean? Like people saw, you can go back. This, the footage exists of, 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 of civil rights marches having dogs sicked on them and fire hoses turned on them by the cops. They had to bring in the fucking military to protect black people from the police. And what you think, you think the Civil Rights Act got signed and all those people just dropped dead the second the pen came off the page? No, those motherfuckers stayed on the police force. And now they sons, and then they son sons. It's so weird to me. It's like, you know, it's like ra- racism here. It's like a, a it's it's such a weird dynamic. We it's like we're all in this we all in this machine. You know, it's like Amer- America is like this boat that can only move forward if it throws a nigga overboard. <laughs> you you know? And it was built a long ass time ago. And the and the people that designed it are long dead. And now there's some white folks still alive. This is like, what? I didn't make the boat throw niggas overboard. Yeah, but the machine's still here, bro. You might not hate niggas no more, but the machine's still here and it's still moving. <laughs> like, I, okay, maybe I need to maybe I needed to flush that analogy out. Would you see where I was going? Okay. This <laughs> is just depressing. It's tragic. I, it's you know. But like I'm saying, there's, there's there 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 aren't enough people that can handle what it takes to be a police officer in a major city. You know, there just aren't. There's a lot of it's like I said. It's there's a lot of psychological um fuckery that goes on with cops when you're. When you're constantly up and down and, you know, one minute you're, 
you know, one minute you're trying to calm down a crying child and the next minute you, you know, you know, you get another call and somebody, you know, is armed and has a gun and you get another call and you got to talk, you know, talk a fucking something off a roof. I don't know. And, you call, and then you got to go home and fucking and be normal with your kids and and all of that up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. That's just not good for you. <laughs> you know, it's not good for you mentally. Um, I once I took a class on it once, actually. So I know that that's true. But in that same class, you know what I learned about? The blue wall of silence. The blue wall of silence. It has a name. And that's exactly what the fuck it is, is thou shalt not. Rat out another officer. But that's why that's why you have mistrust in the communities. You know, because it, 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 to, 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 to it's us versus them. That's how they see it. That's how people in, in our neighborhood see it. It's like they ain't here to protect no motherfucking body. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know what the solution is, man. I, 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 I really don't. Um, maybe more niggas need to join the police force. I don't know. Why are we being policed by people that don't live where we live? Because you know when you don't hear about shit like this happening? Out in the sticks. Out in the sticks where the sheriff goes to church with your granny and you go to school with his son and he's just there to keep the peace. He don't, he ain't flexing. On niggas, you know what I mean, and he knows everybody, so he don't see he don't see anybody as the enemy or mysterious or you know. But out here, the cop that patrol your neighborhood could live forty miles away and could give a fuck what happens in your neighborhood if it burned down. Don't know nobody's names except the niggas on the street. And 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 he it makes no distinction between good guys and bad guys. All you niggas is bad. That's how I feel about it anyway. That's how this makes me feel. It makes me feel like like I don't feel that relief when I see a cop. Like if I if I was walking out, if I was in some situation where I didn't feel safe, like I'm more like say right now it's three thirty something. Say I'm right now it's three thirty something. I'm in L.A. Say I'm on the South Side right now. And I'm in some weird, I make a wrong turn and I'm in some weird fucking cul-de-sac and I don't feel safe or whatever. And then I see a cop. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like, oh, thank God. That's not my reaction at all. I'm like, oh, here we go with this bullshit. It's just another different problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it, I don't know. I don't think this should, that should be the case. So I, uh, <sighs> All right, I guess I could just keep going around and around in circles about this, but y'all know how I feel. You've heard, what, every episode of this. I probably have talked about racial violence on every episode. And you know what's wild? This is not, that's not the theme of my fucking podcast. My podcast is not the, uh, you know, it's like I don't get up and go, let me see what niggas got shot today. Let me see who called the police on black folks. It's like, it just... (laughs) It's just in the news, like every single day. It's a different fuck. All right, more positive news. Okay, I don't know if y'all know this. 
Mm. Um, but I didn't put an episode out last week. I had the flu. Um, but the flu did not stop me from taking a shot. You know, just call it like a half a hot toddy, you know, with uh, my fellow veterans, Marine Corps. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people celebrated uh, Veterans Day or, or is it Memorial Day on the 11th. Uh, but more importantly, on the 10th of November is uh, the Marine Corps birthday. 1775. My Marine Corps came or not. Um, yeah, the, uh, 1775, the Marine Corps w- was officially uh, r- uh, r- uh, <coughs> reinstated. Um, it, it was reportedly founded by uh, in, a, in a bar uh, or in a, in a pub, in a tavern. Um, but I'm here to talk about the desegregation of the United States Marine Corps. Um, in 1776 and 77, a dozen black Marines served in the American Revolutionary War. From 1798 to 1942, uh, the Marine Corps followed a racially discriminatory policy of denying African Americans the opportunity to serve as Marines. For more than 140 years, the Marine Corps recruited primarily European Americans and white Hispanics, along with a few Asian Americans. The USMC opened its doors to blacks in June 1942 with the acceptance of African Americans as recruits in segregated all black units. Other races were accepted somewhat more easily, joining white Marine units. For the next few decades, the incorporation of black troops was not widely accepted within the Corps, nor was desegregation smoothly or quickly achieved. (sighs) Spurred by executive orders in 1941 and 1948, the integration of non-white USMC personnel proceeded in stages from segregated battalions in 42 to unified training in 1949 and full integration by 1960. There you go. 1960, you know, integration was one of the few things the Marine Corps does slowly. By 2006, approximately 20% of the United States Marine Corps was Black American and 15 to 18% Hispanic. And that goes over the 30 to 31% of uh, minorities uh, in the general population. Now, now, contrary to popular belief or or co- contrary to common knowledge or popular knowledge, black people have fought in every single war. Up to, you know, like, you know, whatever you want. 1812, uh, Revolutionary War, Civil War, uh, motherfucker. It's been other little wars, Spanish-American wars. The the, the uh, fucking World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. I mean, we've been in all the wars. Black, we've always been in the military. Um, um it says here at least twelve. Uh, no, no, no. The first Black American to fight in a Marine role was John Martin. 
John Martin, also known as Keto. He was the slave of a Delaware man, recruited in April 20, 1776 without his owner's permission by Captain of the Marines, Miles Pennington of the Continental Brig USS Reprisal. Martin served with the Marine platoon on the Reprisal for a year and a half, involved in hard ship-to-ship fighting, but was lost with the rest of his unit when the brig sank in October 1777. At least 12 of the black men served with various American units in 1776 and 77. More may have been in service, but not identified as blacks in the records. However, in 1798, when the Marine Corps was officially reinstituted, because we was out there kicking too much ass, they had to put us on, put us on hold. Uh, Secretary of War James McHenry specified in its rules, no Negro, mulatto, or Indian to be enlisted. That was back when the second, so the Secretary of War is now the, uh, they, cause the, 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 the Department of Defense used to be called the Department of War. And the Secretary of Defense used to be called the Secretary of War. So that's what his role was, James McHenry. So the Secretary of Defense back then was like, no niggas. No mulatto or Indian. <laughs> um, Marine Commandant William Ward Burroughs instructed his recruiters, you can make use of blacks and mulattoes while you recruit, but you cannot enlist them. So they let niggas be cooks, chefs, all that, but they didn't train them for combat. You know? And then, you know, fast forward to the future, Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, was put under a lot of pressure um, um, to to institute the you know to inter- to inter- to to create more jobs, more government jobs uh, for black folks. Um, your boy Bayard Reston, y'all remember him from episode one? He uh, he he was uh, um, in 1941. Him, uh, Philip Randolph, and A.J. Musty, Musty, I don't know who that is, or if I'm saying his name right, M-U-S-T-E. Uh, they pushed Roosevelt to order fair employment for blacks in the federal government. Um, they threatened to march on D.C. Roosevelt was afraid of that, gave the executive order to eliminate racial discrimination from federal departments, agencies, the military, and from private defense contractors. And we canceled that march. Boy, Bayard Rustin was a bad motherfucker, man. Go back and listen to episode one if you don't know that man name. <laughs> Bayard Rustin. I mean, out the closet and the you know, just go back there and 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 and, and <laughs> peep his resume, bro. He was on the scene. Um. Uh, yeah. So. You know, the Marine Corps was basically forced to integrate when all the other services were. Um, yeah. And it, it, there's probably some, it's, there's probably some old Negro Marine uh, club or lodge or something that I'm missing out on that I probably could sign up for and get some, I don't know. Some goodies, some mac and cheese, or, or you know, some—I don't know. There's all kinds of fucking organizations and shit. Uh, or maybe I should start one. Who knows? Um, 
my time in the Marine Corps. Um, if you know me personally, you already know, like I was the only black person for a while and that in my unit, in my platoon. And that gave me a lot of, a lot of perspective, um, on shit. Maybe I'll talk about that on, on the next episode because it, it actually led to, um, to this weird tension between me and this other black Marine. Um, Fuck it, we'll, we'll talk about it right now. When I first, before I got to my first unit in the Marine Corps, there was a, uh, there was a, s- someone had accused the the captain of the unit of being racist, right? And and what ended up happening is that captain was was removed from the unit. That Marine was moved to uh to our sister platoon which was mostly black folks. It wasn't no maybe it wasn't mostly black folks but like all the black folks were over there. They they you know what I mean like they had they had black people throughout the ranks. It was no black people in my whole in my little personal chain. There was no I was a you know private at the time or PFC. There was no E three, four, E five, E six, none of that over there. They had E fives, E sixes, like higher ups that were black, and all the black privates and Lance Corporals just like I me. Mean, but I I didn't know any of this when I got to the unit. You know what I mean? I just I could just feel this weird energy. You know, it was like everybody was everybody was just like walking on eggshells around me. And I put two and two together because getting sta- I was uh, getting stationed in San Diego was supposed to that was the only good place to go f- for with my job and it, and in the in the schoolhouse I went to if you graduated number one you got to go to where you wanted to go I was I was like fifth and the dude that was number one he definitely didn't go where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to San Diego. That's where anyone with a fucking brain would have chose. He ended up going to Yuma, Arizona, which is the opposite of San Diego. It's it's a, it is woo. It's not what you want. It is miserable. And I ended up in San Diego with uh, without really much of an explanation as to why I got that cuz I was supposed to not get that. Um and so you know obviously I once I start walking around putting two or two together I realize something is something ain't right here and finally um my warrant officer chief warrant officer Woodward, thank God thank bless him you know finally he 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 kept it 100. I was like yo I was like sir what why is everybody acting so weird and he told me the whole situation. So, you know, they basically pulled, put me in that unit to go, see, we ain't, we ain't racist, blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, and, and this was, this was months, months, months down the line. So anyway, it was this other Marine. I think his name was Pierre. So he was the one that had got moved to the platoon that was like across the way. Right. But just every time I would see him and now keep in mind, I ain't never met this dude in my whole life. But but every time I will see him, and, and here's another thing too. We all lived in the same barracks. We all lived in the same building. They just had one half of the building. We had the other half, right? So, you know, obviously you're going to be out there drinking, smoking, 
bullshitting, rolling dice, whatever. So, but so every time I would encounter this dude, it wasn't that often, but just every, you know, every once in a blue moon, maybe like twice a month or something. But every time I would encounter this dude, he just had this real like negative ass energy towards me, like. Or he would do little shit like make sure he bumped into me real hard. And this was a big nigga, like a corn-fed nigga. But he was from New York. I don't know how that nigga. I mean, this nigga was huge. Easily like. He was probably like six foot. No, probably like five, ten. Probably an easy 240. But just, but just yoked though. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I wouldn't, I couldn't have beat the dude in a fist fight. I would have had to bust him in his motherfucking head with a brick or something. You know what I mean? So, so he was, so every, that's what I'm saying. Every time I seen him, he was, he would purposely like bump me or say little slick shit. You know what I mean? And I, and I just didn't get it. And nobody around could really explain. But see, like I said, I put two and two together. I realized that like later after it all was said and done, Whatever happened to him in the unit I was in before I got there, I don't know. I don't know how much truth is to it. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I was never privy to the specific uh, incident or incidents that happened. Like, like no one ever told me like what he accused other people of. Did they call him a nigga? Did they, you know, hang a noose on his doorknob? I don't know. But all I knew was everybody was nice to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get no special treatment. You know, and no, and, and don't get me wrong. Here's the thing: everybody a nigga in the Marine Corps. You getting treated like a nigga no matter where you at. And, and I, I think he kind of resented me because I was supposed to, I was supposed to be the thing that proved his point. Like when I came to the unit, I don't know how long they went without black people in the platoon. If you know, maybe a few months. I don't know. But when I got there, it was supposed to, at least I'm just assuming, in his mind, it was only a matter of time before some racist shit happened and I reported it too. And then he would be vindicated or whatever. And I guess when that didn't happen in a timely manner or in the manner that he suggests, it maybe it made him look bad or he had to answer questions or whatever. But it was like he was just openly not quite outright hostile. But he was very hostile towards me. You know, he made it very clear for no reason at all. And and here's a, here's another thing. Nobody was nobody was ever overtly racist to me. I mean, there's always I mean, listen, if you in a if you were the as a black man, if you in a situation where it's all white folks, th- there's going to be racism. It's impossible for there not to be. I mean, white I'm not surprised by racism. You know, by like Cosmic background racism that's just everywhere all the time, just regular white folks racism. I think that, uh, like, I think he was expecting me to vindicate him and it didn't happen because nothing happened to me. You know, like nothing major, nothing that, nothing that was like, I need to get, I don't feel safe. I need to get the fuck up out of it. Like, nothing like that happened to me. So, you know, and I don't even know if he appreciated the irony of the fact that him, a black man, was actually the one doing all these little things to make me feel the way he was claiming they made him feel. 
You understand where I'm coming from? Anyway. Um, just remember that. Like, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you join the Marine, here's, here's, here's another wild thing is he got, he, I guess he got his wish. He got moved to another platoon and it was mostly black people over there, but the biggest asshole in our whole, in our whole detachment was this black gunny over there. I forget his name. But man, he was a dick. He was such a. There's there ain't nothing would have made me go over there and work work with that guy. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Look, man, I don't give a fuck if, if they was throwing Marcus Garvey's party, Marcus Garvey parties over there, bro. I he was just an asshole. He he was the he was the dude that would show up on the weekends at the barracks and like, you know what I mean? Like nigga, you failed inspection, nigga. Come like I'm a, I'm gonna be here Friday and Saturday, nigga. You know what I mean? I don't got a I don't got a wife that love me or whatever. You know what I mean? I got all I got is time. He was one of them niggas. So I just I was just I just I was I just don't get it. I mean, you get whatever happened to you over here, you getting treated like a nigga over there, and it's right across the street. So I, you know, I would, I wonder. I would love to have a conversation with him about this. Um. But whatever. For the most part, uh, the Marine Corps was a good experience for me. I would not go back in for anything. Um, I'm definitely glad I did it, though. That shit got me the fuck up out of where I'm from. Because I definitely, I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Um, it's being a, being a veteran has been rewarding. It's created, it's been so many opportunities that I've gotten, um, and so many, uh, so much assistance I've gotten from being a veteran. Also, a lot of bullshit I've gotten from being a veteran, mostly from the VA, if, which is ridiculous just to even say that out loud. The Veterans Administration is an adversary. That only makes sense to veterans. Um, anyway, um, happy belated, all that shit to everybody. Uh, you you got all the uh, all the things. Follow my Instagram, BS Comedian. Email me, BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.